We're on Davav. We're four lines from the top where it says, Boyim Minei The Gemara here mentioned the case regarding Chometz that there were the people of Mechuzah that had the obligation to provide the food for the people of the army. Because of that, Rava told them that that Chometz you have to make sure to get rid of. So Gemara brings a similar concept where you have a tax from the king that um, applies to the halacha of Bukhair and, and the mitzvah of Chala. The mitzvah of uh, giving the Bukhair to the um, Kayin and the mitzvah of Chala. Let's see. Boy, the question was asked from Rava, Behema Sanuna. So you have a Behema that there's a tax, the king takes a tax from it. And the um, question is, are you obligated in the mitzvah of Bukhair? So as Rashi points out, the mitzvah of giving Bukhair to a Kayin is only if the Bukhair, the animal, is completely owned by a Yid. If there's any partnership of a guy in this animal, there's no mitzvah of Bukhair. Rashi brings the post Yisrael. Only if the entire animal belongs to a Yid. If part of it belongs to a guy, there's no mitzvah of Bukhair. So here you have an animal that's totally owned by a Yid, but there's a tax. There's a tax from the king that takes a certain percent of your, of your animal. So are you chayiv in the mitzvah of to give it to the kayin or not? So the Gemara explains as follows. If you could dismiss the tax collector of these animals by giving him money, so definitely this this animal belongs to you. You're obligated to give it the mitzvah of b'chayr. Because the b'chayr that the king has an ownership in it, you could dismiss him just with giving him money. When is there a question? You're not able to dismiss him by giving him money. He's actually going to take a percent of your animals or of your animal. My, what's going to be the Allah in such a case? So Rav answers, in such a case, you potter, because of the ownership of the guy. Asks the Gemara, but Vatanya, in Abraise it says, Chayeves, that this animal that has this tax on it is Chayev. Answers the Gemara, as we just said, Hasam the Matzim is It's going to be Chayev if the tax of the king is such a tax that you could dismiss him by giving him money instead of taking the animal itself. Ekedamri, others said that Rav said as follows, Omar Rav, this animal that has the tax on it is potter from Bechayra. And he added, That includes even a case where you could dismiss the tax collector by giving him money. It doesn't matter. The fact is that the original tax is on the animal itself. So there is a partnership of the king's tax on this animal. So it's going to be potter from Bechayra. What's if you have dough that there's also a tax on it? You, you, you make your dough and you have to give a part to the king. So now there's a mitzvah of chala, right? When you take off chala from your dough. So the same thing that we said regarding b'chayr, that if there's a partnership of a guy, there's no mitzvah of b'chayr. The same thing goes with chala. If there's a partnership of a guy, there's no mitzvah of chala. So a, a dough that belongs, to, that has a tax on it, chayev es b'chala, will be chayev and chala, v'afal gav d'loi matzi and that's going to be a chiyuv, even if the tax of the king is something that you cannot pay him with money, you must give him a part of your dough, but still you're going to be chayiv and chala. So the Gemara asks, what's the reason for this difference? My time, why are we, why are we making this distinction? A tax of a king that's on the animals is something that everybody will know about. 
So people will see that you're not giving any tax from your animals, or th- that is that you're not giving b'chayr from your animals, they'll know the reason is because there's a tax in it. Isa, when there's a tax on your dough, less like color. I guess that's something that wasn't common, that wasn't usual, and therefore people are not going to realize that there is an ownership, there's a tax of the guy, of the king, on your dough, and therefore they're going to see you eating the dough without giving any challah. They won't know why. It'll look like you're not giving. So therefore there's a, this is exayda midrabanon, that when, even when there's a tax on it, and the king actually does take a percentage of your dough, you still have to give, the, you have to be mekayim the mitzvah of challah, midrabanon. So according to this second pshat that the Gemara says there, the Braise before that we quoted, that said chayeves, that's talking about dough. That for the dough, when you have the tax of the king on it, you have to give the chala. Okay, now the Gemara returns back to the main subject, subject we're talking about, which is chametz, and specifically when you have chametz of a guy in your house. Because before the Gemara brought a case of chametz also, when you get to the Sinyan, when you have a tax to give to the army of the king. You have a guy that comes into your house or into your courtyard. And he's holding chametz in his hands. You do not have to burn it. The chametz, the guy is holding in his hands. You don't have to tell him to leave your house. You don't have to tell him to take it out. As long as he's holding it in his hands, you don't have to, it's not a problem. <clears throat> Even if he's going to sit and eat it over there in your house, it's also not an issue. The Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch says, a guy that brings chametz into your house, the issue is only one or two things. Either if he's eating it on the same table where you're eating the matzah, so, or whatever, he's eating it on your Pesach Dege table, so then it's a problem. You might get mixed up with the food and the chametz is going to be on your table. And the other issue is if it's your worker. If it's your worker and he's eating chametz in your house, so then it looks like you're feeding him chametz from your own, so you're not allowed to have him eat the chametz there. But otherwise, a guy that comes into your house and he has chametz in his hand, it's not a problem. If this guy is bringing you chametz as a pakotan, as a deposit, so then, then you have to get rid of the chametz. And we learned this before in the Gemara, that you took responsibility on it, you're a shamer. There are various different degrees of what responsibility you took. There's different Rishayim that uh, talk about this, but you took a responsibility as a Shaymer, so then you have to be Mavari this. Yichid bias. If you designated for him a spot in the house where he's going to put down his chametz, <coughs> a room, a spot, you put a sp- specific place where he's putting his chametz, then ain't Zakuk You won't have to burn that chametz. You can keep it there in that spot. Shanema, the Pasuk says, Lo Yimotzeh. From the Pasuk, I see that you don't have to get rid of the chametz of the guy, even though you're a shamer, if you're a miyachet loy bias. You designated an area where he's putting down his chametz. So the Gemara's question over here is on the very last point. What are, what are we saying here? The raya from the Pasuk, how does that prove anything? How does loyimotze show that if you're miyachet, if you designate a place for the guy's chametz, that you don't have to burn it? Amar Papa says, Rav Papa, arei no, this part of the Braise, Yichud Le'Bayis, is actually going back on the Reisha. Vahachikoma. And this is what we're saying. No, sorry, not Yichud Le'Bayis, the Lo Yimotze, the Posik of Shanema Lo Yimotze, does not refer to Yichud Le'Bayis. Lo Yimotze is telling me a Chumrah. What does Lo Yimotze say? Lo Yimotze is Mashma. It should not be found in your house under any circumstances. Lo Yimotze is not Mashma Kula. Lo Yimotze is Mashma Chumrah. So therefore, Rav Papa says, that lo yimotze is going back on the reisha. When it said before in the b'raise, if the guy gives it to you as a pekodain, so then you do have to get rid of the chametz. And the source for that is, 
shouldn't be found in your house even if you're not the owner, but if you took responsibility for it, so then you have to get rid of it. So lo yimotze shows astringency. That's the purpose pshat. Ravashi Yomar Ravashi says, no lo elam koi, the posik lo yimotze goes on the sefe, where the Brisa says a leniency, that if the guy is bringing it into your house and you're designating an area, that then you don't have to get rid of the chametz. And you learn it from lo yimotze. And this is what the Brisa is saying. Yichud lo you designate an area for that chametz. Ein zakak you don't have to get rid of the chametz. Shenema lo yimotze bevateichem, it shouldn't be found in your house. And this area now, where the chametz is, is not in your house. The moment you designate an area for where he's going to put his deposit, his chametz, so that area is like his house. It's not your house anymore. You designated that area for his item. So therefore, it's, you're not over. That's, so you, in other words, when the Brayse brought Lo Yimotze, you have to add the word Bateichem, and Bateichem means that it's like his house. Ask the Gemara on this. What's this based on? Lememre, should we say that from here we see the Schiris Kanya, that when you rent, when you rent uh, an area to somebody, so then you're kind of that area that it becomes totally his, that area now has nothing to do with you, with the owner of the house. But that's not true, because Vatnan, we learned in a Mishnah, just like there's a Allah, that you're not allowed to have chametz in your house, you're not allowed to bring a Vedizad in your house. So how about renting out a place in your house to a guy? Are you allowed to rent out a place in your house to a guy and he'll bring a Vedizad into that place, into the house? So the Mishnah says in a Vedizad, even when there is, when you are allowed to rent out a space to a guy, but you're not allowed to rent them out a place to live there. Because the guy brings a Vedizar into the house. You can rent them out of space for storage, for anything else, but not to live there, because he'll bring a Vedizar into your house. But if you're going to say that once you rent the house to him. So now he's the total owner of that area. Even though it's only a rental, but for that time period, it's completely his. So if he brings in a Vedizara, why does it matter? I rented it to the guy. That section is not totally his. So what do we see from this Mishnah? Even a rental does not completely remove the ownership of the original owner. And you can't allow, you can't rent it to the guy and allow him to bring a Vedizara because he's bringing a Vedizara into your house. So why over here, by Chomets, do we say that if I'm designating a spot for the guy to put his Chomets, that he's allowed to bring it into your house because it's not your place anymore? Answers the Gemara, Shani Hacha, over here by the Chomets it's different. It's true, even when you rent it, it's still your place. You only rented it to him. But here it's different. The Torah writes the Isra of having Chomets in your house using the expression of Lo Yimotze. also shows a Kula, shows a leniency, meaning only if it's available, accessible to your hands. If you designate that area to the guy, so it's not considered to be motzi to you. It's as if the chametz is totally in the house of the guy. Because you designated that area to him, so therefore it's miyuchot, it's designated to him, so therefore you're not over. True, it's not kaina, but nevertheless you're not over. It's not lacha by the by what? Serious, not serious by the Zara. Is that the Allah? I'm saying you can't rent a guy a house. The way it applies with Manazah, I'm not sure. Regarding the Zara, regarding renting, uh, if, a, if, if a Yid owns a, a building and he has rentals to a guy, no. The way it applies today, I'm not sure. We'll have to wait until we get to Masech Tavit Zara. But when I get to this Indian over here by Chomets, 
where it says, Yichud Le'Bayis, so there's actually a Machlekes of Rashi and Taisvis. Rashi says this whole thing that we're talking about here, when you're designating this spot for the Chomets, for the guy, is only if you didn't take responsibility for that Chomets. If you did take responsibility for that Chomets, Yashem Esachar, so then, even if you were Meyachid, a space for the guy to put that Chomets down, it's not going to help. Because you took responsibility for it. Taisvis says, no, the whole, the whole Chiddush of Argamari of Yichel bias is, even if you did take responsibility for it. And usually when you do, so the Gemara said before, you're going to be over, like it's yours. Nevertheless, over here, because you designated an area for him, so therefore it's like in the guy's house, and you're not going to be over. That's the Ikah Chiddush of Argamari. And the Alter Rebbe Paskins like uh, Taisvis is Prat. You said that that's, if it's not your worker, if it's your worker, so let's say a guy that comes in with her handbag. Yeah, so then so it's a different story. Yeah, if, she, if it's your worker, so then if she's taking out chametz, you have to tell her to take it out of the house. Even if she doesn't take it. If, if it's in her hands, if she's, if she's sitting down to eat it in the house, no, you have to tell her to take it out. If it's by her, you don't know about it, you don't have to, you don't have to ask her about it. What happens if you... Find chametz in your house on Yontif. You did bedike and something was left out. You uncover chametz on Yontif. So what are you going to do at the chametz? You can't burn it on Yontif. You can't move it on Yontif either, as Rashi says, because it's muktzah. So what are you going to do with it? Kaifal of a You just have to cover it with a keli. Omar says, Imshal hektishu. If the chametz that you found is something that you gave to hektish, ain't it sarich. So then it's not necessary to even cover it. Why not? What are we talking about over here? We're talking about a case where, like always, a person is mevatel the chametz. So minatayde, you're not over on this chametz. You were mevatel it already. Elamai, the issue is that midrabbanon, you're not allowed to have the chametz in your house even if you're mevatel it. So therefore, the Gemara says, if it's hektish, hektish is something that a person stays away from. We're not choshish. You're going to come to eat it anytime, all year. So same thing here. If you have it in your house on Pesach. So you don't have to cover it. Ain't it tzarech? My time in mivdul bedili minay. Since it's hektish, a person separates from it. The chametz of a guy. So you have it in your house on Pesach. So this, like we said before, there are cases where you have the chametz of a guy in your house, and it's allowed. Only if the guy, the chametz of the guy, you took responsibility for it, is it not allowed? But otherwise, the chametz of a guy is allowed to be in your house on Pesach. However, you have to put up a partition. You have to make a partition of ten tefachim mishum heker to remind you not to touch the chametz of the guy. Vim shall hektishu, and if this is hektish, ain't it For hektish, again, as we said, it's not necessary. My time mivdu bedili in shimine. A person is always separating from that chametz. Another thing Rav Yudu said in the name of Rav. Hamifarish, a person that's going overseas. You're going out with the caravan to a far place. So you're leaving your house before Pesach. If you left your house before 30 days, before Pesach, you don't have to get rid of the chametz. You can close the house, leave the chametz there, and you, and you leave your house. It's, if it's within 30 days, then then it'll be required from you to get rid of your chametz before you leave. So what's the case this Gemara is talking about? There's a big machlekes rishayim what we're talking about here. According to many rishayim, the Ran and others, they say this is only talking in a case where the person is going to be doing bittel. So minatayda, the chametz that he leaves in his house when he leaves is, is going to be totally okay, because he was mevatlet. The issue that we're discussing here is the mitzvah of bedike midrabonon. When does that mitzvah bedike midrabonon apply? That's what our Gemara is discussing. And the Gemara is saying the takona midrabonon only applies 
within 30 days. Before 30 days, Chachamim did not apply their Takana. Huh? No let's see, let's see, one second, one second, let's see what the Gemara is going to say. No, Levire means Bidika. Levire and Bidika are synonymous because Levire means you buy dick and you get rid of it. Bittel means I leave it in the house and I'm just Mavatlet, I'm Mafkiret, or whatever the concept of Bittel is. Over here we're talking about Levire, to get it out of your house. Okay? But th- this is uh, the is the, uh, sorry, this is the opinion of the Iran. Rashi, however, holds that this whole Gemara is talking even about a case where a person is not mevatlis chametz, and the reason why you can leave your house and just leave the chametz there if you're leaving 30 days before. How could you do that? What, what difference does it make if you're leaving 30 days before or you're leaving 100 days before? But menatayda, you know, let up chametz in your property if you're not being mevatlit. So the Alter Rebbe Shachanarach explains, and this is, you see this over here from the continuation of the Gemara, that when a person is leaving his house and he closes the door, so that itself is like the chametz is completely bottle. The chametz is completely mavur min ailam. Once you close the door, so you're separated from the chametz, and it's like the chametz is covered, and you're not over min We'll see in the continuation of the Gemara. Let's see. Amr Abaye says Abaye Hod This that you said that if you're leaving within 30 days, so then you have to get rid of your chametz. That's only if he's planning on coming back for Pesach. If you're not planning on coming back, then it's not necessary to get rid of your chametz, even if it's within 30 days. And usually within 30 days, the takan of the chachamim applies to do your bedike, but you're not planning on coming back. Rav says, no. If he's planning on coming back for Pesach, so then no matter when you're leaving, even if some, some people say that the Taich of Rosh Hashanah means even a day after Pesach. Rosh Hashanah means a year before, even if you're leaving a, a day after Pesach and you're not ever coming back to this house a year later, so you should still have to do Bedike and get rid of your Chomets because you're planning on gonna, you're coming back for the next Pesach. If you are, that is. Again, if you are, if you're coming back for the next place, you for Shai Shaf to Bedika. Elama Rav says, Rav, Hoda Omrit. Kaidim Shleishim Yaim Ein Zakak Levayer. This that Rav said that before 30 days you don't have to do beer. That's because the person is not planning on coming back. If you're planning on coming back, even if you're leaving from Rosh Hashanah, you'll have to do the beer. Oz the Rava Letaimei, Rava follows his reasoning, the Omar Rava, Ha'ayse Beisai Oitzer. If a person takes his house, a room that he lived in, and he turns it into a storage, he's going to store grain over there. And below that grain that you're storing in your house, there's chametz that's left stuck under the grain. Kaidim Shleishim Yaim, if it's before 30 days, Ein Zakak Levayer. So then you don't have to do any beer, even if there's chametz that's going to be stuck under that grain that you're storing now in the house. Taich Shleishim Yaim, if it's within 30 days, then Zakak Levayer. Then you do have to get rid of the chametz that you left under this storage that you created here. And the Kaidim Shleishim Nami, even before 30 days, that's only if you're not planning on clearing out this storage before Pesach. If you're creating a storage in a room and there's chametz left under it, and but you're planning on clearing it out before Pesach, or on Pesach, so it doesn't matter if you turn it into a storage, you're going to have to be mevayat because you're planning on uncovering this storage. So the point that you see from this Gemara is, when you create a storage, even if there's chametz that's left stuck under the storage, you're not over and by your and the reason is because the very fact that it's not accessible 
it's beneath this storage that you created there, so it's not yimotze. That's not lo yimotze. Al Tarevim Shochanarach says that we learn from lo yimotze that it has to be accessible to you in order to be over. If it's under a storage, it's lo yimotze. It's not a problem. We'll have a similar gemara later regarding a place where you have a house that collapsed, and in this house there was chametz and there's a bunch of bricks from the house that is it's buried under it. You're not even by by yimotze because it's buried under the bricks. The same thing also applies when a person leaves his house and he locks the door and now he goes away and he can't access the chametz that he left on his property. If you can't access it, you're not by your by That's how Rashi learns this Gemara. Now the Gemara is going to discuss another point. Huh? Even midairaisa, correct. Even midairaisa, you're not even by your by If the chametz is there, intact, but you can't access it. Only if you don't plan to come back. That's the case. If you don't plan on coming back, that means that you can't access it. Say the do you have to get rid of it or no? If it's within 30 days, so then the takanim the rabbanon of bedike applies. But before 30 days, chachamim's takanim of bedike does not apply. Chachamim were mechadish bedike, but they gave a certain time. For it. When's the, when's the original time of Vidika? Leil Yudalit, like it said in the Mishnah. But a person that leaves early, so then you have to do the Vidika before. I mean, today, a person's leaving out of town, a person's going out of town, right? And he's not planning on being home for Pesach, right? So if he leaves within 30 days, he has a mitzvah of Vidika. You have the mitzvah of Vidika. So, for example, if a person is going to be selling, if a person's going to be selling his house to a guy because he's leaving for Pesach, so within 30 days, you should leave a space that you don't sell to the guy and be mekind, the mitzvah of bedikah in that place. Unless you're going to be doing the mitzvah of bedikah in the place that you arrived to. So you'll do the mitzvah of bedikah there, so then you can sell the whole thing to the guy. But otherwise, it's within 30 days, you should be mekind, the takanas chachamim. That says no. If you're huh? not planning to come back, you don't have to make a it's, but, huh? but, but within, within, within 30 days, the mitzvah, the mitzvah of Bidika applies. Within 30 days, the mitzvah of Bidika applies. Huh? Well, you could still be making a mitzvah of Bidika. Meaning you don't have to make it. Right. You, you, you have a exactly. So now the Gemara is going to... The Gemara now is going to discuss this concept from where do you see that why did Chachamim establish... <laughs> That their takana only starts 30 days before. Why not? 40 days before. 50. What's the number 30? Why 30 days before? You learn, you discuss the halachas of Pesach. From when do you start? You start from 30 days before. Rabshim Gamliel says, two weeks before. My time at the Tanakam. What's the source of what the Tanakam says? Shahare Meisha Oymid Pesach. Moshe Rabbeinu is standing on Pesach Rishon, on Pesach Rishon, it was on Yudalad Nissen, Umazer ala Pesach Sheni, and it's that day that he told them the halachas of Pesach Sheni. Shneemar v'yasu b'nei Yisrael es ha-Pesach b'mayadoi, that he tells them the halachas then of making the carbon Pesach of Pesach Rishon. Uksiv ayihi anoshma shayot meim l'nefesh adam, there were people that couldn't bring the Pesach Rishon, and Moshe Rabbeinu asked Hashem the question, and he tells them the halachas of Pesach Sheni, even though it's 30 days before. So you see that 30 days before you start te- teaching the halachas. Rabshim Gamliel Amar, Rabshim Gamliel says, Amalacha, he says, Aidi, the Aidi, Bimili, the Pischa, because Moshe Rabbeinu was teaching them the halachas of the first Pesach, so Masik Lachal, Mili, the Pischa. So therefore, he also went on to elaborate and he taught them the halachas of the second Pesach, of Pesach Sheni as well. But really, there's no proof from here that in general you have to start from 30 days before. My time, that Rabshim Gamliel, that says two weeks before, what's his source? Sharei Moshe Aimed, Berish Chaydish. It was on Ish Chaydish Nissen. 
Pesach. And that's when he's teaching the Yidin and telling them about the mitzvah of Karban Pesach two weeks later. And that was in Ashkhedish Nisan. And the Pasuk says, And he's teaching them the halachas of the Karban Pesach that they bring two weeks later. Says the Gemara, how do you know that he was teaching it to them on Rishchidosh Nissen? Dilma bar Maybe it was already Dalad Nissen or Hey Nissen that he taught them the halachas. How do you know he taught even the halachas on Rishchidosh Nissen? So Teisvus here says, even if Meishe Rabbeinu heard the mitzvah of Karpen Pesach from the Eibishter together with the mitzvah of Rishchidosh Zelachem on Rishchidosh Nissen, but you don't see in the pasuk that he actually taught the Yidden on Rishchidosh Nissen. Maybe he taught it to them later. We learn it out from a different place. That it was the second year when they went out of Mitzrayim and it was Bachaydisharishain, it was Nisan. Oksiv and it says, the Yidin should the, bring the carbon pesach in the right time. So over here as well, he's it's on a Shaydish Nisan. And he's teaching them about the carbon Pesach, when? That's going to be two weeks later. So again, the Gemara asks the question, Nami here as well, It just says in the Pesach that it was Bachaydesh Harishain. It doesn't say what day of the month it was. How do you know it was Rishchaydesh Nissen? Dilma bar ba biyarche, b'chamisha biyarche koi. Maybe it was Dalad Nissen, Hey Nissen. Amarav Nachman ba Yitzchak. No, we have a Gzeir Shavah for this. Asya Midbar Midbar. We learn out Midbar Midbar, Gzeir Shavah. Ksiv hacha b'midbar Sinai. In this pasuk, when it talks about chaydish nissen, it says midbar Sinai. Ksiv hasa, and then there's another pasuk. Vayedaber Hashem al Moshe b'midbar Sinai b'oil moyed, and there it says be'echad lachaydish asheni. It was rishchaydish ear, so there it clearly says be'echad lachaydish. Mala halam b'rishchaydish, just like. And when it says Bamid Basina the second time, so it says it says it was Rishchidish ear. Afkan Bereshchidish over here as well, by Khidish Nissen, it says when Baish Rabbeinu spoke to Didn, it was Rishchidish Nissen. So this is Rabshim Gamliel's source that when you learn the halachas of Pesach, you start from two weeks before. Okay, now the Gemara is going to discuss uh, once we brought up these Psukim here, the Gemara is going to discuss the fact that it's actually out of order. Why doesn't the Pasuk first write what happened on a Shchidish Nissen? And then the Torah should write to what, uh, what happened on Shchidish Ear. What, what's talking about it? What, what is it talking about over here? The opening of Chumash Bamidbar. So, what's the first Pasuk of Chumash Bamidbar? What does it talk about? Counting the Yidin. When did that take place? Rishchidish Ear. Then in Pashas Bahaloischa, Three parshas later, it talks about when the Eden brought the carbon Pesach and then the Pesach Sheni. And over there, what is it talking about? Chaydish Nissen. It's out of order. Why, is the, why, why doesn't it start first with parshas Bahaloischa? Amar of Menashe, Bar Tachlifa, Mishmei Derav, Zois, Aymeres, this teaches us, Ein Muktimum Ocha Betayra. There's no order in the way things, things in the Taira are not written in a chronological order. Ein Muktimum Ocha Betayra. The Taita first writes, so Rashi there says that the Taita did not want to start with something that has something negative, that the Yidin only brought one carbon Pesach when they were in the Midbar and they never brought it again. It wants to start with the Yidin being counted, which is something positive, expresses the love of the Ebishtah to Yidin. So therefore it, it goes out of order. In other words, it doesn't mean there's no reason for why Taita writes it the way it does. There's a reason. But the point is that it's not, Taita is not written, it's not a history book, it's not written in a chronological order. 
Yeah, so that's what it says. So you say Maris, this is where you see this. Amaraf Pape says Raf Pape Loyamaran Elo Betray in Yoni. This is only when you have in two different parshas. If it's within the same parsha, what's written first happened first, and what happened afterwards comes afterwards. Within the same parsha, within the same posik, within the same parsha where it's discussing one subject, when we say parsha, we're not talking about parsha, we're talking about whether it's a pay or a samach, within the same section. So over there, what's first is first and what's second is second. How do we know this? If you're going to say that within the same parsha, or maybe even within the same posik, that it's not an order, if so, so one of the Yud Gimel Midas, if the Teter writes something as a klal, and then it writes a prat, it's, it writes it first in a generality, and then it writes a detail. So what's the halacha? So when it writes the detail after the klal, so then the detail is limiting, only according to what it is in the detail. How could, how could you say that the Torah is limiting that it should be only like it is in the detail? Dilma prataklalu. Maybe it's out of order. Maybe it's written in the reverse, so you can't learn out anything from it. Visu prataklal. When the Torah writes it in the opposite, it writes first a prat and then a klal. First it writes a detail and then it generalizes. So then we say the opposite. Nasaklal meisafala prat. The fact that the Torah first wrote a detail. And then it wrote something more general, means the Torah wants to add a point. How do you know? Maybe it's out of order, maybe it's other way around, even in one Pasik. So, so, so therefore, that what we see over here is that within one Pasik, within one Parsha, everything is written in order. If that's the case, if you're going to say that the Droshes of the Torah, so then you're going to be, if that is because of these drushes, we're forced to say that the Torah has an order, L'chayda will have to say so, seemingly will have to say so, even regarding two different parshas. Why? So now, what happens if you have the Torah that writes something in a general way, and then afterwards it writes it in more in detail, but it's not within the same parsha? There's one parsha, and then the Torah comes back to the same subject in a different parsha later. Do I treat it also as a klalaprat? The same concept of klalaprat only applies if it's in the same posik, or even if it's in one parsha and in another parsha. Says the Gemara, there's one opinion that says that klaluprat if the klal is in one parsha and the prat is in a different parsha, ain't done the klaluprat. So then I don't apply this this rule of klaluprat. So then Shaper, then what we we're saying here makes sense. Within the same parsha, it has to be in order. But if it's in a different parsha, it does not have to be in, in, in order. And in a different parsha, we don't make this drosha of klaluprat. So that makes sense. But the opinion that says, I have a klal in one parsha. Something written in a general way in one parsha. Then in a prat, the Torah writes it again. And in a detail, in a different parsha. Donin, I still will make this drosha. And, and, and say that first comes a klal and then comes a prat, but if he's saying that from one parsha to another, it's not even in order, how can I make such a drasha? Answers the Gemara, even the opinion that says that a klal or prat don't have to be together in the same posik, but they do have to be in the same parsha. When the Torah writes a klal in one place and a prat in another place, ain't donin. 
then you don't make this drasha. So for example, the mitzvah of matzah, the Torah writes the mitzvah of matzah a few times. It's in Parshas Boi, it's in Parshas Mishpatim, or it's in Parshas Re'ei. If it's in totally different Parshas, I don't make the drasha of Klal Oprat. Only if it's in the same parsha, then I make the drasha of Klal Oprat. <coughs> okay. Now the Gemara goes back again to the subject of Bedike Bittl. When you do your bedike at the night and you dalit, when you're done with your bedike, you have to be mevatl the chametz. My time, why do you have to be mevatl the chametz? Once you were so you got rid of all your chametz, there's no chametz in your house. Why should you have to do bittel as well? So the Gemara, if you're going to say the reason is, because you might have missed some uh, crumbs that are left over. And pirurin over here doesn't only literally mean crumbs, mamish. Anything that's smaller than a kazayas is called pirurin. So maybe there are certain things that you left out of the bedike. And therefore we're afraid that it's in your house over Pesach. So therefore you have to chachamim or mesakin that you have to do bittel as well. But that's insignificant. And because it's insignificant, the person doesn't need it, doesn't want it, and it's not his bachlal. It's like it's, like, it's hefker. Now if you're going to argue and say, even the mintalu agav beisa, but it's indoors, it's in your house. Even, though if you, even if you don't want it, but because it's in your house, so so it has significance, it's yours, and you're going to be over by your mats if you don't get rid of it. Says the Gemara, no, that's not true, because you have, let's say, figs that, are, that stay at the end of the season that never ripen. And then they're not really edible, they're not good. And you're guarding your field because you have grapes, you have a vineyard that's there. Sofia novim, or you have grapes that are not ripening and they're there at the end of the season. And you're guarding your field because of other vegetables that you have over there. Cucumbers or squash or whatever it is. You have other things that you're using in your field. If these grapes or figs that are not really ripening, if you care for them, nobody's allowed to steal it, no one could take it. You're the owner. And you're going to be chayiv and meiser. Bezman sheim balabayis makpid aleim. But if it's something that you're not makpid, you don't care for them. Mutarim mishum gazel. Even though you're guarding your field, but you're only guarding it for the good fruits. But for the fruits that are not going to be edible, you don't care for them, and therefore mutarim mishum gazel and pturim mishum meiser. There's no din of meiser because it's totally hefker. So what's the gemara's question? If a person did a proper bedike and there's some leftover crumbs in his house that's smaller than a kazayis. So who cares if it's left over in his house? It's going to be hefker. He doesn't care for them. He doesn't want them. It's anyways hefker. So you're not over by your all by your matzah. So what's the issue? Omar Rave says Rave, Gizeda shemayimtze gluski yafe vedaite lavei. There's a gzeda chazal wagaizer that you might do bedike properly, but still there may be a gluski yafe. There may be a nice cookie or something that you, you won't uncover when you do the bedike and it's left in your house. And you might find that on Pesach, and you're not going to be able to be mevatler on Pesach. Gluski yafe vedaite lavei. You have your mind in it. Why not? Let him be mevatlet right then and there if he finds it on Pesach. When you find it on Pesach, let him be mevatlet what you find right then. Why do you have to do the bittel in advance? Says the Gemara, but it depends when you find it. If you're going to find it on Pesach, once the Isra takes effect, once Pesach begins, you're not the owner of your chametz. And you can't do the bittel of the chametz. Okay, why, why are you not the owner of your chametz once the Issa starts? 
Because something that's also bahana, if you are not allowed to have hana from something, so by definition means that you're not the owner of it. What's the definition of ownership? That I can eat it, I can use it, I can have hana of it. But once the isa starts, I can't have any hana from it, I'm not the owner of it. If you're not the owner of it, so then you can't be mevatl, you can't be mafkirit, you can't render it insignificant if it's not even yours, bachlal. So if it's left in your house and the isra already started, so then now bitl is not an option. Dama Rabbi Lazar. said, Shnei dvarim einam adam. There are two things that are really not yours. But v'osan hakosov ki'ilu b'rishusai. The Titus says that we'll consider it as if it's yours and there'll be an iser. What are the two things? Ve'eluhein b'ir b'rishusai if a person digs a pit in a Rishus Rabbim, and somebody else falls into the pit that you dug, it's something which is really hefker. It's not, you don't own it at all. So if it's not yours, so really you shouldn't be chayiv, you shouldn't be responsible for what happens for someone else that falls into the pit. It's not yours, it's hefker. It's in the area which is hefker. It's in the Rishus Rabbim. Nevertheless, the Torah says when you dig this pit, even though it's not yours, it's as if it's yours and you're going to be obligated, you're chayiv, <coughs> for somebody that is going to fall into this pit and hurts himself with this pit. And the same thing also, chametz misheshah salamayla, chametz from Erev Pesach, from, from uh, Chatzais, then you can't, uh, you, you can't have any anah of it, so if you can't have any anah of it, it's not yours. So if it's not yours, why are you over by your by your matzah? Didn't we learn before that if it's not yours, you're not over by your by your matzah? The Torah says that it becomes as if it's yours. The Torah said that it's usher, that it's as if it's yours, but really it's not yours, so you can't do any bittal. So therefore, this is the, the takonim and the rabbanon that you have to do bedike and bittel as well. In other words, minat teireh, you have an option of doing either or. You can either do only bedike or only bittel. Chachamim came and said, you have to do both. You have to do bedike because if you're just going to leave it in your house and do bittel, so then you might come to eat the chametz that's all over the place. Or we don't rely on your bittel, we're afraid that the person's bittel won't be wholeheartedly. So you have to do bedike. On the other hand, you have to do bittel because bedike is also not flawless. You can do bedike, but you might forget something. You might find something behind the, your couch. You'll move it in Pesach and all of a sudden you see a cookie there. So therefore you have to do bittel as well. And then you're not going to be over for something that's left over there. So when you said gluske yafe here, was something together pirurin? Gluske yafe doesn't necessarily mean literally a beautiful Danish or whatever it is. Gluske yafe means anything that's larger than a kazayas which is not bottle. Pirurin means if it's smaller than a kazayas, so that's something which is bottle automatically. It's hefker automatically without you doing it. Gluske yafa means it's more than a kazayas and that's not hefker automatically. Yeah, it was mevatel. Huh? It was mevatel, right? That's the reason for the takana of bittel. Oh, if you find the gluske yafa, so then it's going to be bottle, so you weren't over by your by your matzah. Okay, we'll stop over here. Uh,